0: Hello! Welcome to Dungeon Delving. I'm Brandon Wagner, and today I'm continuing my series of episodes on classes and delving into the Cleric. Now, Cleric is another class that gets bogged down in the cliches about it, you know. It's a heavy armor with a shield, a mace, a healer, that kind of stuff. But Cleric is actually a very versatile, very powerful class that can make it difficult for a Dungeon Master to um balance combat encounters because clerics can do a lot of damage, they can heal really well, they can remove diseases, they can remove curses, they can they just make having a tough, drawn out fight a little bit harder on a DM. Um so cleric is another thing about the cleric is a lot of people look at the cleric and they're like, oh it's acolyte background. You know, it's someone who is Either joined the church of their God or was raised in the church of their God, and that's pretty much most clerics. Is you know, they were raised believing in their God and they've become this, they're part of the organization. That doesn't necessarily have to be the case. A cleric can be any person who receives magical power from the God that they worship through their faith, through the power of that faith. Uh, For example, uh, for an upcoming campaign I'm going to be playing in, I am playing a cleric with the sailor background who's a cleric of a thunder god. And he was out sailing with his crew. They were caught in a storm. He saw the visage of his god in the storm. And after surviving the shipwreck, he became a fervent, devote worshiper of this god. He's not part of any organized church or anything. He's just a guy who has such a powerful belief that it's given him clerical powers and now he makes a living you know sailing with sailors and praying to his god to prevent help them prevent uh getting caught in storms um you could do i could see a cleric who's like a crime member of like a crime syndicate you know if you have a cleric that's a trickery domain and they are part of a group of criminals and they do religious rites and prayers to this god of trickery to bring good luck and good fortune to the other thieves. A cleric doesn't have to be a priest. They can just be a a fervently religious person. Uh, Cleric has a lot of choices. Um, Cleric has nine domains to choose from between the Player's Handbook and Xanathar's Guide, with seven in the PHB and two in the guide, and they're tied with Wizard. Wizard also has nine between the two books. So rather than spend a lot of time on each domain, it's only going to take a a couple minutes on each one because they don't do a lot mechanically to differentiate different clerics from each other. Every Every single clerical domain gets, at eighth level, one of two abilities. They either get Divine Strike... Which adds damage to their attack rolls, or they get uh, an ability called Potent Spellcasting, which allows them to add their Wisdom Modifier to the damage of cleric spell list cantras. So let's talk about what all clerics get first. Um, all clerics get spellcasting abilities and ritual spellcasting. They can use a spellcasting focus, which is very handy, and it's a, re- a holy symbol, it's their focus. Um, They are a class that knows all their spells. So a cleric knows all cleric spells. And instead of being able to just cast any spell they want, they prepare spells each day. And they prepare them after a long rest by spending an hour to uh, pray to their god, and that's how they prepare their new... They meditate in prayer for at least one minute per spell. So it's not a full hour. It might be later, but... um. And how many spells you get to prepare is a number equal to one plus their... Cl- or Wisdom modifier plus their cleric level. I'm thinking one because I'm making a first level cleric. <laughs> so my first level cleric, I had luckily had a really good roll that I put into my wisdom. So I can prepare uh, six spells right at first level. Now, you get more spells than that. Every domain gives you domain spells... And the domain spells they are additional spells that you always have prepared and don't count against the number of spells you can prepare each day. You get two spells at first, third, fifth, seventh, and ninth level. so every odd level, you get two more spells that you just always have prepared and don't count against your prepared spells and These spells always kind of fit the theme of the domain. so we'll talk a little bit about that as we get to each domain so another ability that they get. Is called Channel Divinity, and they can use it a number of times per day. I'm trying to see where their Channel Divinity amount is. Uh, three times. No, it's once per long rest, long or short rest. And then at sixth level, it goes up to two. At 18th level, it goes up to three. So Channel Divinity isn't something that you get very often, but you can refresh it just with a short rest, so that's nice and all clerics can use their channel divinity to turn undead. And that's the only thing that all clerics get. Beyond that, each domain adds at least one channel divinity effect, so you have an option. Some of them add two. At fifth level, if you successfully turn an undead, you can actually destroy them based on their CR and what level you are. Uh, at fifth level, you can destroy undead of CR one half or lower. At seventeenth level, it's four or lower. So. Mostly you're going to be destroying, outright destroying lower CR, weaker, lesser undead. You're not going to be turning undead and just demolishing a vampire or something, or a lich. But you're going to destroy something smaller. At 10th level, they can use Divine Intervention, which lets them attempt to have their deity intervene on their behalf. You roll a d100 percentile die... And if you roll equal to or lower than your cleric level, then the deity intervenes. At 20th level, it's automatically succeeds. And on a successful use of it, you can't use it again for seven days. If you fail, you can use it again after a long rest. Now, divine intervention has the po- potential to be wildly powerful. Because it's your god reaching down from the heavens and intervening. But... There is a, a caveat in the rules of the ability... That says the DM chooses the nature of the intervention. The effect of a cleric spell or cleric domain spell would be appropriate. I would argue that you should make it much more powerful. <laughs> but that's just me. Make, like, do the effect of a cleric or domain spell... And just amplify its effect. Um, but you don't have to be like i want my god to intervene and just destroy this boss i would be like okay the god intervenes and it deals a bunch of damage to it but doesn't kill it because that's just too much especially at 20th level when you're like oh we're gonna fight orcas i'm just gonna divine intervention and have my deity kill him outright like that that doesn't work (laughs) um so the dm has the ability to pacify that ability and make it so it doesn't break his campaign or her campaign. So let's talk about the domains. We'll start with the player's handbook. First we have the knowledge domain. These are... These are gods that value learning and understanding. They get spells... Their domain spells include stuff like Command, Identify, Suggestion, Arcane Eye, Legend, Lore, Scrying, stuff like that, knowledge spells. They get a few extra proficiencies. Uh, Every cleric... Domain also gives your cleric a few extra proficiencies. They get skill proficiencies, Arcana, History, Nature, or Religion. You pick two, and their proficiency bonus is doubled for the two that the those two that they choose, which is pretty good. It's pretty good. It's okay having double proficiencies. All right. <laughs> uh, their channel divinity allows them to uh, tap into a divine well of knowledge. They can use their channel divinity to gain 10 minutes of proficiency with a skill or tool now cleric baseline doesn't get any tool proficiencies so if you're in a position where your background doesn't give you a tool proficiency and you're like oh I should use I need to really want to use this tool for whatever then you can channel divinity be able to do that they get a second channel divinity ability that lets them uh, read a creature's thoughts and then command it there's uh, if, it, if it makes a saving throw, a Wisdom saving throw. I, I would assume against your uh, spell DC. If it fails, you can read its thoughts and you can use the suggestion spell, basically without expending a, a spell slot. They get the potent spellcasting feature, and then they have an ability called Visions of the Past that let them hold an object for at least a minute in prayer. And they can learn about the object's history or an area's history. So they can, they can go, into an, go into an area, pick up an object, and learn about its history, which le- gives you a lot of really good insight into what the campaign is going to be. Next we have the Life Domain. This is the, the Heal Cleric, the Big Heals Cleric. They get spells like Cure Wounds, Lesser Restoration, Revivify, Raise Dead, Mass Cure Wounds... They gain proficiency with heavy armor. That's the only proficiency they get. <laughs> um, their healing spells are also more effective. Uh, when you use a, a first level or higher healing spell, it gets plus two hit points. Or no, you get you get the the hit the hit points restored that you rolled, and then you also get two plus the spell's level. So a first level healing spell, you roll your healing, add three to it. A ninth level healing spell, you roll the healing add 11 to it so it's just a little bit of extra potency which is very good especially at low level uh, they can use their channel divinity to preserve life you can restore a number of hit points equal to five times your cleric level divided among any number of creatures within 30 feet of you and it but it can't restore them to more than half their hit point maximum and you can't use it on undead or constructs they get the Divine Strike, adding radiant damage to their target with their weapon with their weapon attacks. Um, divine Strike adds 1d8 at 8th level, and then it increases to 2d8 at 14th level, and that's the same for all Divine Strikes. And then at 17th level, they get Supreme Healing, which is when you roll dice to restore hit points with a spell, you instead restore the maximum possible. The example they give in the book is if a healing spell is 2d6 healing, it restores 12 plus whatever the extra from your Disciple of Life feature gets. So you're always healing the max at 17th level, which is, again, super powerful. The Light Domain is about rebirth and renewal, truth, vigilance, beauty. The Light Domain spells are things like Burning Hands, Daylight, uh, Flame Strike, Wall of Fire. So you get these Light and Fire spells. Uh, they get... The Light Cantrip, if they don't already know it, as just an extra cantrip. They have an ability called Warding Flare, where you can use your reaction once per long rest. Or no, number of times equal to your Wisdom modifier per long rest to impose disadvantage on an attack roll. And it doesn't work on things that can't be blinded. So you basically create a flash of light, you do like um, Krillin with his Solar Flare. And it's when they attack you. It's not when they attack an ally, unfortunately. You get... Oh, you do get that. At 6th level, you can use your Warding Flare to blind an enemy that's attacking one of your allies. You can use your Channel Divinity to harness the sunlight. You can present your Holy Symbol. And any magical darkness within 30 feet of you is dispelled. And hostile creatures have to make a Constitution saving throw. And if they fail, they take Radiant Damage. 2d10 plus your Cleric level. Um, They get the potent spellcasting feature. They have Corona of Light at 17th level, which they can use their action to activate an aura of sunlight that lasts for a minute or until you dismiss it using another action. You emit bright light in a 60-foot radius. Your enemies have disadvantage on saving throws against any spell that deals fire radiant damage. You also don't need torches because you're giving off 30 feet of bright light. Next we have the Nature Domain, which is for people that don't want to play druid, but do. (laughs) You get spells like Animal Friendship, Bark Skin, Speak with Animals, Plant Growth, Dominate Beast, Tree Stride. Basically, you are almost a cleric. Um, At first level, you get to learn a druid cantrip of your choice. You gain proficiency with heavy armor. You also gain proficiency in one skill, either animal handling, nature, or survival. At second level, you can use your Channel Divinity to charm animals and plants. You get an ability called Dampen Elements, which lets you use your reaction to grant resistance to acid, cold, fire, lightning, or thunder damage to yourself or an ally. You get Divine Strike, adding your choice of cold, fire, or lightning damage. And at 17th level, when you, you gain the ability to command animals and plants... Well, they're charmed by your uh, Channel Divinity Charm Animal plants feature, you can use your bonus action to verbally command them to do your will until your next turn. Each of those creatures. So it's not, if you charm multiple things, you can't just be like, oh, you do this, that's my bonus action. It's all of you do this. I uh, actually we have the Tempest Domain. This is for clerics of like Thor or Zeus or D&D original gods of <laughs> Thunder. You get spells like Thunder Wave, Shatter, Call Lightning, Ice Storm, <clears throat> Destructive Wave. You get proficiency with martial weapons and heavy armor, which is nice. Um, you have an ability called Wrath of the Storm at first level, where when a creature hits you with an attack that usually you can see hits you with an attack, you can use your reaction to force it to make a Dexterity saving throw, dealing lightning or thunder damage on a on a, to them. And half on a successful throw. And you can use it equal to your Wisdom modifier. Your Channel Divinity. Allows you to. um, Deal maximum damage with. Lightning or Thunder damage. So you can use your Channel Divinity. And then the next time you. Deal Lightning or Thunder damage. With like a spell. Or with your Wrath of the Storm feature. It deals max damage. You no longer have to roll. You get. You get. The Thunderbolt Strike, which is when you deal lightning damage to a larger, smaller creature. You can push it up to 10 feet. Thunderbolt Strike. Uh, They get the Divine Strike feature, dealing thunder damage. And at 17th level, they get Stormborn, which if they are not underground or indoors, you get flying speed, equal to your walking speed. So you can fly. Clerics can fly. The Trickery Domain is for stuff like Loki, Garl Glittergold, Mischief Makers and Instigators... Uh, This is what I was talking about earlier with the, the cleric that's a member of a thieves guild, a trickery domain. They get stuff like charm person, disguise stealth, pass without trace, dispel magic, polymorph, dominate person, dimension door, just tricky, tricky spells. At first level, you can use your action to touch a willing creature other than yourself to give it advantage on stealth checks for one hour or until you use it again. It takes up your action, though. And you can only do one at a time, so you can't just give your whole party advantage on stealth checks and then go into a dungeon. (laughs) They can use their channel divinity to create an illusionary duplicate of themselves. And when you cast a spell, you can have the spell come from your duplicate, which is pretty good. You can also use your channel divinity to turn invisible until you attack or cast a spell. They get the divine strike feature, dealing poison damage. They get an improvement to their duplicity, Channel Divinity, allowing them to create four duplicates instead of just one. And, yeah, so you can be like, there's now five of me, and you don't know, because my spells are going to come from wherever you want. Finally, not the last one total, but the last one in the Player's Handbook is the War Domain. So this is if you want to be a cleric of a god of war. And you get a lot with this one. Your spells include stuff like Divine Favor, Shield of Faith, Magic Weapon, Crusader's Mantle, Flame Strike. Um, the bonus proficiencies you get are Martial Weapons and Heavy Armor. You get a feature called War Priest. When you use an attack action, you can, make an, you can make a weapon attack as a bonus action. And you can do this equal to the number of times of your Wisdom modifier. Your Channel Divinity can grant Guided Strike. When you make an attack roll, you can use your channel divinity to gain a plus 10 bonus to the roll. Um, They also get the ability to channel their divinity to give that to an ally. You can use a reaction to grant a creature... When a creature within 3 feet of you makes an attack roll, you can use your reaction to give it 10 bonus to that roll using your channel divinity. Uh, You also get Divine Strike the divine strike feature which deals an extra extra damage equal to the damage dealt by your weapon so if you're dealing um of the same type dealt by the weapon so if you're dealing slashing damage it's extra slashing if it's bludgeoning it's extra bludgeoning if you have a weapon the way i understand it if you have a weapon that also deals elemental like if you have a sword that deals an extra whatever flame fire damage I would say you could add fire damage, but I'm not 100% sure. And then at 17th level, you gain resistance to non-magical bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage. Now in Xanathar's Guide, we have a couple more domains, we have the Forge domain. The Forge domain is Gods of the Forge, big surprise. (laughs) You get uh, Domain Spells, you get Searing Smite, Identify, Magic Weapon, Elemental Weapon, Animate Objects. You gain proficiency with Heavy Armor and Smith's Tools. You gain an ability called Blessing of the forge, which is a really cool ability. At the end of a long rest, you can touch a non-magical object, that is either armor or a simple mar- or a simpler martial weapon, and give it plus one. So you can give an ally plus one AC, or you can give an, N- or give an ally's weapon a plus one feature. Um, you get the, your Channel Divinity can, it's called Artisan, you get the ability called Ar- Artisan's Blessing. You can do a ritual, so you use your Channel Divinity to do an hour-long ritual to create something. You can create a weapon. Um, you can duplicate non-magical items such as any any non-magical item that contains metal, so you can like recreate a key. Uh, you get Soul of the Forge, which gives you resistance to fire damage and uh, plus one to your armor class while wearing heavy armor. You get the Divine Strike feature adding fire damage to your attacks. And then at 17th level, your Soul of the Forge becomes Saint of Forge and Fire, so you still get that plus one heavy armor AC. You also Your resistance to fire damage becomes immunity to fire damage. And while wearing heavy armor, you gain resistance to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage from non-magical attacks. And then finally, actually finally for cleric domains, we have the Grave domain. The Grave domain gets spells like Bane, False Life, Rave, Enfeeblement, Revivify um grave domain is one that when i was when i first picked up xanathar's guide and i was kind of just quick paging through it not really reading i saw grave domain and i was like oh it's an anti-cleric they're like a necromancer cleric <clears throat> but that's not true they're a more focused on being against undeath because they are their gods are like watch over death and undeath goes against that uh you gain ability called a feature called circle of mortality that when you would normally roll one or more dice to restore hit points with a spell to a creature at zero, instead you use the highest possible number. You also learn the Spare to die, spare the Dying cantrip as just a bonus cantrip. And for you, it has a range of 30 feet and you can use it as a boning action. So that Circle of Mortality is basically just the meat and potatoes of, you're not dying on my watch. I'm a Grave Domain Cleric. You also gain the ability to sense the presence of undead. Uh, You can use it a number of times equal to your Wisdom modifier for long rest. Your channel divinity is called Path to the Grave. And you can choose a creature you can see and curse it until your next turn. And it gives it vulnerability to yours and your allies' attacks. All of the attacks damage uh on one hit so the next time it gets hit if it gets hit between you your you using the channel divinity and your next turn the first time it gets hit it has vulnerability to it which is part of why uh making uh encounters with a grave domain cleric in your party can be difficult because you're like yeah this monster is gonna be tough because it has all these resistances and then you're Cleric just goes, I'm going to channel Divinity and make it vulnerable to the next attack, and then my barbarian is going to hit it. <laughs> really hard. Uh, you get a feature called Sentinel at Death's Door, which lets you impede Death's progress. You can turn a critical hit into a normal hit. And if there's any bonus effects that come from it being a, hit, a critical hit, those are canceled because it's not a critical hit anymore. You get the Poet Spellcasting feature. And then at 17th level... You get an ability called Keeper of Souls that lets you: when an enemy dies within sixty feet of you, you can restore the health of an ally equal to the enemy's number of hit die. So during a fight, you don't have to use a reaction; you just use it. You can only use it if you're not incapacitated, and you can use and you can only use it once per round. So. Something dies. Like, if you're fighting a boss that has a bunch of little peons, you can be like, oh, they just killed that kobold. You get a hit die. You get one health. <laughs> the enemy's number of hit dice. So, yeah, if an enemy has, like, one hit die, you just restore one health. Which is not a lot, but it's there. <laughs> it's something that you have. So, clerics. That's all the cleric domains. They're all... They all have enough... To make them unique but for the most part they share abilities clerics don't have a lot of variation in what they can do that's a lie <laughs> they have a lot that all of them can do no matter what domain you pick and a lot of their abilities are the same as others more so than other uh other classes Archetypes, clerics have all cleric archetypes get this. All cleric archetypes get or a version of this. You know they all have a new channel of divinity. They all have either divine strike or uh, the enhanced spell casting. They all have domain spells. So they they have these things that make them more balanced to each other in at least what you get. It's like. It's like uh, tank or healers or tanks in an MMO. You know, every like in, I play Final Fantasy 14, and every healer has these tools available to them. They have an AOE healing spell. They have a single-target healing spell. They have a more powerful single-heart target healing spell. You know, they're all different and they all have different potencies, but they all have them and clerics are like that too clerics have access to a lot of the same tools that are just flavored differently for that kind of cleric um the idea that a cleric is just a designated healer though is really short sticking the cleric's potential a cleric can do so much you've just we've just talked to all these different things that all the different domains can do and clerics can do a lot of stuff like yeah if you really want to have a designated healer you have the life domain you have the grave domain those are really good at healing but all cleric the cleric spell list has a lot of healing spells and a lot of it has like bless it has damage prevention spells but clerics can do a lot more than that especially with their channel divinity um xanathar's guide gives a lot of really interesting little Nuances to every class, but the cleric ones really stick out to me. Um, one of the things that they have is the secret. This is really good for your role-playing, that your character has a secret. And stuff like an imp offers you counsel. You try to ignore it, but sometimes this advice is helpful. Um, I would role-play this as the DM sometimes. It's like, hey, your imp tells you this. And it, it, it gives the cleric a little bit of insight into the campaign. And if you're willing to do that as a DM, you can really mess with your cleric and be like yeah there's a a devil that follows you around that only you can see that tells you stuff and you're like i'm ignoring you because i'm a good holy man but you still remember what it said and then it turns out to be true um there are things like even though you can work divine magic you've never truly felt the presence of a divine essence uh you acknowledge the power of the gods, but think that most events are dictated by chance. You believe that gods are nothing more than ultra-powerful mortals. Um, it's interesting. If you have a temple, there's some objects for like, your temple's history and stuff. Uh, you have keepsakes that's, like, uh, a book that tells you, teaches you how to hunt and destroy infernals. A, a whistle that reminds you of your mentor and your humble beginnings. Um, the finger bone of a saint. Just weird stuff like that. The kind of crap that that... Uh, Holy men would want to have. So, wrapping up, the cleric is a class that has cliches about it for a reason, and playing into those cliches is totally viable. Like you can make a character that is a, you know, oh I was when I was a kid I was abandoned at this church and I was raised in it. I was an acolyte. That whole background, and have that be an interesting, compelling character. But you don't have to do that. And I think there's a ton of potential to have non-church member clerics. I think that that can make for some really interesting creatures. Just uh, men and women of their god. Religious, zealot characters that are given that divine power despite more humble beginnings. Um, And you don't have to have your clerics be like holier-than-thou, righteous characters all the time, and we'll touch on that exact thing again when we talk about the paladin, I think, but having a cleric that has flaws, that is not this pristine, holier holy man character can make for some really interesting like, really interesting gameplay, especially if you have a cleric that's like, like the cleric that I'm gonna play in this upcoming campaign is like, he drinks a lot, he smokes, he parties he lives at the inn until the money runs out and then he gets a job on a ship and then wherever that ship goes that's where he stays until the money runs out again that's the lifestyle he lives but he's still a cleric because he has magic powers brought upon by his faith and i think it's gonna be a really fun character to play i'll have to talk about it again in a future episode um i do want to do episodes down the line about interesting character concepts that i've played or seen or heard about or thought of just because character concepts or things that are great um if anybody listening has ever played a cleric that kind of breaks the mold of that background and history uh let me know hit me up on twitter at dungeon delving and tell me your stories about your unconventional clerics i'd love to hear them um that's all i've got for today despite cleric having more backgrounds than the last few classes we've covered this episode did run shorter which is nice so that's the cleric next week is druid um we're just going alphabetical order and that's all i've got for this episode i will see you next week keep delving